everyone. This is the Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service. You're in complete control of your own podcast. You can run it from your own website. And it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. My guest today has authored six crime novels, including her latest book, Money Creek, which she's offered as a giveaway. Uh, The first two commenters on her website on the contact page will each get a copy. She is a four-time Goldie Award winner and been shortlisted for a Lammy Award three times. She also reviews contemporary LGBTQ literature at the Lambda Literary Review. A resident of Chicago, it's my great pleasure to have with me Anne Laughlin. Hi, Anne. How are you doing? Hi, Hi, Debbie. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, Let's see. You're I want to thank you, first of all, for being here today. Oh, um, taking the time to talk with me. Yeah. To all of us. And um, your books, they are all standalones, correct? That's right. Yeah. I I have yet to start a series, though I keep thinking I will. Maybe I was going to ask book. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The book I'm writing now would, would work out for a series character. Um, but you know what? When you write a series, you really should be more mindful than I'm being and and have in have in mind kind of an overall arc for that character. Exactly. So thinking yes. ahead several books. Yeah. Yeah. I, exactly. I don't think I can think ahead several books. <laughs> I don't know if I have that capacity. You know well, you might be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yes, all standalones um and kind of a combination of traditional mystery um suspense novels uh police procedural uh the, the private investigator that's that's really cool that you have that kind of mix there i noticed yeah. that in a few of your books you you quite a few it seems you either have legal issues or a lawyer involved and i wondered if you had a legal background yes i um for many years, worked in uh, large law firms as a trial assistant, and that um, 
I burned out from that eventually and had to leave the business. But while I was with there, I learned so much about uh, lawyering that I was, what I learned, I was able to take in with me as I was writing books. So because it was a comfortable milieu, I tended, I used it more than once. And also lawyers are good topic or good subjects for crime novels. Yes, they are. Very much so. Um, I have to agree with you there. Uh, In fact, the uh, the last book, Money Creek, that has a lawyer from a large law firm. And I don't paint the law firm in very pretty colors. (laughs) Sure. She was uh, an evacuee from a large law firm. Yeah, um, it's it can be a bit rough working at a law firm. Oh, I was working 90 hours a week sometimes. It was terrible. It's really amazing how much work lawyers put into their jobs, how much time, Mm -hmm. how much effort. And one of the things I've actually done is I've recently interviewed a local lawyer about criminal issues. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm kind of examining them one at a time. And I'm sort of interested in getting feedback from authors about whether they would be interested in hearing, you know, various legal issues and how they might use them or get them right or wrong in, in their work. I think that would be a great service. I don't think I've seen that elsewhere. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, and and because there are certain just simple procedural um, things that, that, lawyer, that authors could learn would be very helpful in, in kind of grounding um, a legal issue in your book. I agree. I mean, yeah. I think it's great that, that you have that awareness. That's fantastic. Um, it's 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 actually proven to be very helpful. Yeah, and then uh, the last twenty years of my career, working career, where it was in real estate, and I haven't used that as much, but I have plunked it in there a few times. <laughs> wow, real estate. Oh, the, now there was a subject I could never quite get into. <laughs> real yeah. estate. Yeah, it's complex. Um, let's see, how do you choose your protagonist for each of your stories? What What is it that inspires a particular story in you? Um, what is it that inspires a particular story? I usually come up with a plot idea before I come up with a character idea. Um, and I know everyone does that differently. Um, I I try to come up with a subject that I'm going to want to write 300 pages about um, or a story that I think is going to be rich enough to sustain 300 pages. And then I think about what character would be interesting in grappling with the problems that come with that plot. And, you know, it's, there's definitely a similarity in my book's and with a lot of crime with mystery books, which is the strong female um, detective, private investigator, slash, slash, um, who is brave, who take, doesn't take any gruff from people and is determined beyond belief. Also, who has some big flaw or another that 
that adds to the plot and and it provides a way for that character to grow during the course of the book absolutely yeah so one one protagonist in particular that was different for me was um, a book I wrote called The Acquittal. And that was a private investigator protagonist and she had bipolar disorder. And I was trying to think up, you know, what kind of flaw do I want for this protagonist? Um, And it just occurred to me that a a mental health issue is not one that had been dealt with all that much uh, with, with, um, protagonists there's a famous monk tv show of course the the anxiety bipolar disorder is a serious disease and i have her mostly under control through medication throughout the book because i didn't want it to be just her having one episode after another but the tension came in as the stress grew on josie throughout the course of the book so did the danger that she would have another manic episode so it provided another uh, area of tension for the novel mm-hmm. and it was really interesting really interesting to research I can um, imagine. I, I, yeah I talked to quite a few psychiatrists and one person who has the disorder my goodness yeah I can imagine the research that went into that I was going to ask you about how much research you do before you write a book and and during the time you write a book. Yeah, a lot of that research comes as I'm going along in the book. Um, uh, For instance, right now I'm writing a book that involves a sober living house um, owned by a larger recovery company. And my research was into the... um, uh, abuse in that inter- industry, and I wanted to find what are certain things that ul- ultimately are done to the residents of those homes that are corrupt, basically. And it was very interesting. I mean, uh, Florida is famous for houses like this, where they, uh, you know, they advertise these really nice houses, and people come in there three people to a room and people are using drugs in the house and all of that. This, this is not going to be that story, but um, I do introduce some well-known ways that, that um, these homes are scammed and the residents <laughs> in them. Yeah. So wow. that was, in, that was interesting research. And I, I was going to write a book and may still uh, about the French resistance. Uh, I wanted to maybe set a mystery within that, that setting and that research. I mean, I got really elbow deep in that research, which is fascinating. And I I would like to use that. Yeah. That is so interesting because I've always been fascinated by that aspect of the war. I know. I mean, to me, it's extraordinary the the role that women played in uh, in the resistance. It was a phenomenal role. And the question I always ask myself is, if I were put in the same situation where I was asked to parachute into enemy territory and likely 
being shot and killed, what would I do? And I think that's a question that in our relatively pampered lives, we've never had to ask ourselves. Yeah, And it's really an interesting question, I think, particularly for women who aren't socialized to be brave, you know, to face physical danger. And yet these women were so brave. It was really amazing. Yes, yes. There's a book, actually, that I read that deals with two women who were in the French resistance. I wish I could remember the name offhand. Yeah, I probably read it. Nightingale or Nightshade. Oh, um, it's by Kristen Hanna. It's Nightingale. Nightingale? Yeah, that's the fiction. It's fiction. Right. Yeah, that was Kristen Hanna. Yeah, that was that was a very good. Yeah. Yeah, that was a very good book. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, the ending on that one. Yeah. Killer, just killer. (laughs) I also recommend, in terms of fiction, a book called Jack Dawes, J A C K D A W S, by Ken Follett. Hmm. That might have been the most exciting book I read on the topic. Interesting. I'll have to check that one out. Definitely. Yeah, I do. Wow. Um, tell us a little about your uh, latest book, Money Creek. Sure. Money Creek is the story of Claire Lehane, who is a, a lawyer, uh, just graduated from law school probably two years before the setting of the book. And while she was in law school, she acquired a bit of a problem with amphetamines and really had um, an addiction to them by the time she she entered the work world and like like most addicts i mean her problem just got worse with time she you know she was able to function pretty highly but as the book goes on that is less and less true and her inability to make good decisions drives the um the plot in in many ways i mean she gets involved with a rural organized crime um organization that is very very dangerous and there's murders and false accusations and all kinds of stuff that she ultimately you know almost buries her and so the you know seeing what she does to get out of that and and repair herself as a person is also one of the main themes of the book. That's a great. And I, yeah, I've gotten um, lots of great comments about Money Creek. One interesting thing about it, I happen to like Claire quite a bit. Um, Claire is not the most popular of my protagonists and I think it's simply a function of the fact that she's an addict and um, so she's making some dumb choices and uh, that I I think that asked a little bit more of the reader than um, than maybe some other books Uh, you had to kind of stick with Claire Though I tried to make her interesting and, uh, you know, um, somebody you could relate to. I personally have been in recovery for 32 years. So to me, um, Claire's 
Claire's story follows a very predictable path and one that I wanted to just, I, I wanted to write about it. I can understand that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, the just, I think any character really, even a character that makes dumb choices can be made to be understandable and empathetic to readers. If, there's enough there for them to relate to and be able to say, yeah. okay, I can understand why in this situation she would maybe think that. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that I accomplished that. And I, I, I think I did. Um, but it's, that's the, the difficulty is keeping somebody in that much trouble uh, relatable. Yeah. And and um, addiction is its own specific thing. It's hard for non-addicts to understand the thinking of a bottoming out addict or alcoholic. You know, the thinking is not clearer. <laughs> yes, yes, that, that is absolutely true. Um, your books are um, mostly set around Chicago, correct? Correct. How much of a character is the town itself? I think um, I try to keep keep Chicago in sight during most of the book. So I will um, describe where my character is going by giving street names, um, neighborhood descriptions. You know, Chicago's a so much more than downtown. It's a city of neighborhoods, and each of those neighborhoods has its own character. So I try to try to do some of that. Um, along with its more famous attributes like its winter, like the beauty of Lake Michigan, um, like its miraculous downtown skyline, which is famous for a reason. It's really spectacular. So do you ever run into Sarah Paretsky just walking down the street? <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I had to I've ask. Got, yeah, I have six degrees of separation with Sarah Paretsky on, oh, wow. with about five people. Yeah, I'd love to meet her sometime. But Oh, my gosh, yes. She actually lives in Hyde Park, which is um, down on the south side. I'm on the north side. Ah. Yeah, it's very north side. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm a big fan of Sarah Paretsky. I got to tell you. Yeah. She was yeah. one of my early inspirations there mm-hmm. um, in terms of before I really got into this. Um, and what was it you're working on now? What, what's um, It's going to be called Olive Street House. And it's that's the name of this sober living house. And my character is a former cop so I'm still dealing with some with the the same theme of addiction but but this is more in the way of a setting as opposed to the disease so the setting of a sober living home just seemed to me to be unique um, filled with opportunity to you know you can populate it with all kinds of characters and you can generate all kinds of drama based on the residents alone. So in this story, um, Nikki is the name of my character. She lost her job as a homicide detective five years earlier when she crashed out of the department because of her drinking. And then she became the resident manager of this, of Olive Street House. 
So she's responsible for the 18 women living there. And um, one of these women is accused of stealing and kicked out of the house. And I don't want to say too much more, but that starts the train um, of the mystery. Some, you know, somebody's murdered from the house. Nikki investigates and, you know, and actually, I don't know what, because <laughs> I'm only about a third of the way through writing it. So I'm still working out that, uh, that final third of the book. So I take it you're more of a pantser than a plotter? Well, it's interesting because I, I've always been, I call it like a planster, you know, it's kind <laughs> of a little bit of both. Yeah. Traditionally, yeah, traditionally I, um, I, I plot maybe five or six scenes in advance. So I know where I'm going in the near future. I don't always have those headlights on the end of the book. So I just kind of nudge it forward. With this book, I did something a little different and I approached it with the, there's something called a beat sheet, Mm -hmm. which is, um, there are 15 points on the beat sheet that you use to kind of time the progress of your plot. And I wanted to see what it was like to be a complete plotter as opposed to a panster. And um, and so far, I'm finding it really interesting to work with. But I've um, I'm kind of at that same space where I've I've done a outline, I've done the beats, but you still have to fill in all the the details, and uh, those you know those come as I'm writing. That's a screenwriter trick too, you know. <laughs> exactly. And and this in fact this beat sheet comes from Save the Cat, which oh, is yeah. um yeah, Save I'm the Cat was this. yeah, it was originally a screenwriting method that they've just uh written a book and applied it to novel writing. Yeah, absolutely. It applies to any kind of storytelling, really, when you come down to it. Um, and like any kind of method, um you can't adhere to it slavishly at all. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm finding that, yeah, I'm not exactly on those 15 beats. There are no rules. There are only there guidelines. There are no rules in writing. That's right. <laughs> or as some somebody once said, there are three rules to writing the novel. Unfortunately, nobody knows what they are. <laughs> I think it was Somerset Mom, but I'm not sure about that. Oh, that is a great quote. I like <laughs> that. One of the yeah. first things I ever heard, and I thought that is perfect. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I have to ask: Are you a baseball fan? Ah, well, I'm. You know, historically a Cubs fan, but I was sorry to see, sorry to see the White Sox lose. The yeah, other day. yeah. Um, but it is so bifurcated in this city between Cubs and White Sox that I was barely aware that the White Sox were in the playoffs. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that Um, interesting? (laughs) Yeah. But I do like, uh, I do like baseball though. The Cubs gave away all their players this year. So it's a little hard to like them right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know the feeling. Yeah. The Nats did their share of giving away and well, yeah. I'm also a big Mets fan because I'm from New York. So what can I say? And they were the underdogs when I was growing up. 
They yes. were the worst. <laughs> yep. yep. When I was growing up. But mm-hmm. uh, they've come a long way. Um, and I'd love to see the Cubs win the series, actually. Again, yeah, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would love to actually, you know, be experience these mm-hmm. things again. I would love to go to Wrigley. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Yeah, so I historic. grew up in the bleachers there. Oh, a dollar awesome. for a bleacher seat. I grew up in the bleachers of Shea. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite as cool, but, you know, at the time it was what I had. That's right. <laughs> um, what inspire, What uh, writers inspire you most? Um, the writers who inspire me most, I think, I, you know, I really think of that in terms of a lifetime of reading. Um, I mean, I can name certain mystery writers that I particularly love, like Val McDermott, um, who's a Scottish writer, but she she publishes here in the, the States. Um, Sarah Paretsky would be one. Um, of the classics, uh, Ruth Rendell and some people who do psychological mysteries, one influence or one per, you know writer that I particularly admire is a woman named Catherine Forrest. And she probably was one of the original writers of lesbian mysteries, um, which is really basically the area I've been writing in for the last 15 years. And um, we can talk about that a little bit about how that's kind of ghettoized but um but Catherine (laughs) Catherine really broke a lot of boundaries in writing her series and to me as a young woman in the 70s I go way back when coming out was extremely difficult um her books were instrumental to me um not only did they give me a sense of community they also gave me a sense of um justice being obtained which is not something at that time the lgbt world that that we got very much of and i think it's you know still still an issue um so those works were phenomenal to me well that's very interesting you see i've never i've heard of the others but i've never heard of Catherine forrest so Ah. um for the benefit of uh, listeners how would you spell her name is it with a c Catherine? It's Catherine with a K. Catherine with a K. And it's uh, F-O-R-R-E-S-T. I'd be very interested in checking her work out. Yeah, they're a little, you know, a little dated now. Uh, They come from quite a long time ago. And it's interesting because you really see the difference in what crime uh, gay crime writers wrote in those years as opposed to what's being written now, mm-hmm. um, because because then there were real issues that every gay person went, had to grapple with. Now times are a little easier. You don't do the coming out story as much, or the oppression at work story as much, or the bullying story as much. All of those things still happen, but they're more the exception than the rule. So the, the, the gay character has just been plopped right into regular old life. And you just, you know, proceed with them as a character who happens to be gay. They might happen to be tall as well, but it's really not much more of an issue than that. 
Right, right. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting how differently this whole issue is being treated now in the media, books, television, and movies. Oh, now people are kind of hungry for gay characters. There are literary agents who, of course, are the gatekeepers of the publishing world. And I've been reading things from them where they're seeking LGBTQ authors, which, believe me, was not the case before. You know, before it was, it's all a matter of numbers and publishers just felt that only gay people read gay books. And Mm -hmm. to the extent that that opinion is being changed, they're opening up their, you know, acceptance of books more. But I think it will really, I mean, and I believe that straight people read gay content a lot. Um, you know, it's it's not a big issue to most people. They certainly um, watch it on TV. And yeah, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's certainly translatable to the page. And, I, you know, I, uh, I would love to see books, my books per, particularly, you know, I'd love to see them move from the LGBTQ shelf in your local bookstore into the mystery shelving of the local bookstore. Absolutely, yeah. On the other hand, you know, it's complicated because you want gay people to find your book. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, the marketing is is tricky, but possible. I was going to ask you about the marketing. How do you handle book marketing? Well, my publisher is a small publisher, so uh, they don't do all that much. Um, I think I do um, I do not enough. That's clear. I, I don't I don't Twitter a lot and um, I do Facebook and I try to put everything that I do up on Facebook um, and I try to get booked for podcasts and um, panels. I I appear on quite a few panels. I'm currently working with a group of other lesbian uh, mystery writers uh, to try to advance our visibility. Uh, So we're working on panels and presentations and things like that. But the marketing is hard. And the best thing to do, of course, is to hire a publicist. I just haven't been able to put out that kind of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To the extent that you can do things for free, like coordinating with other authors and promoting each other, that's a great thing. Yes, I think, you know, being um, in a community of writers is really important because you you know you, you not only do you learn a lot from them but you get a lot of word of mouth from other writers that you know if they've read your book they will recommend it to other people or on their blog or in a you know whatever it's um and not only that it's just fun to be with other writers so yeah absolutely i agree with you there boy Um, What advice would you give to people who aspire to get published? Uh, Well, quality is the thing you need to keep in mind all the time. It's um, when you finish writing your first draft of a book, it's not done. And to, to keep that in mind, because now comes the painful part of having to analyze your book or have other get ideally get help from others 
with feedback about your book and um, making the, making adjustments. The other, um, you know, because getting a literary agent to look at your book, you have to be extremely polished. There's just no question that you won't get past, they won't go past page one, really, if you, um, so writing, rewriting, rewriting is the biggest advice I, I can give. Taking classes is huge. There just are craft issues that you're not going to be able to intuit. And uh, just taking one or two classes will give you language and some tools that are invaluable. Um, and a- another one would be to, to grow a thick skin because you are going to, you know, I, I am a member of a writing group and when I get the feedback back from them, you know, it can be extensive and kind of tough to take, but you just have to take it and, and review it and, and take what makes sense and leave the rest, but know that it's given in your best interest. It's That's not right. given. It's not given because somebody wants something over you. Yeah. And the other way skin gets thickened is just reading reviews. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You better and learn Amazon, to take that criticism because the readers aren't going to be holding back. <laughs> no, no, they don't. And um, luckily, I don't have too much experience with with really bad reviews. But you read them and you, you know, uh, 15 years ago, it hurt. It hurt a lot. But now I I barely give it a thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a that's something that's just good for living your life anyway. You know, to be able to have things like that roll off your back a bit more. I agree completely. I couldn't agree more. Um, let's see. Where can readers find you and your books online other than Facebook? Yes, my website is annlaughlinwriter.com. And I'd uh, love to hear from you there. There's a comments function. And um, also you can buy my books from the website. My, um, I try to keep the events on there. I don't have anything coming up, I don't think. Um, but you can also find me where else? Maybe not enough places. <laughs> well, as long as I know your website and as long as you're connecting with your readers somehow that yeah that's what you gotta yeah. do right right absolutely and my and, publisher's website as well of course and your publishers also yeah you can buy them from, directly from your publisher as well right right and uh is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up wow well i uh i guess i would just add that i'm right now very excited about writing and that hasn't been the case over the last year I had to actually scuttle a book that I had I had completed two drafts on and it was just a I don't know I know this happens to other writers so I'm gonna try not to think of it as wasted time but the book didn't work and and it wasn't going to work and so I had to put it in the drawer which is painful, mm-hmm. but as soon as I did, I felt so free 
and started this new book and was and just having fun. So I think for all writers, the experience of writing is just such a roller coaster. Um, there are times when the key, you know, your fingers are flying on the keyboard and you have no conception of time and it's just magical. And other times when you question your very validity as a person, I mean, it just, you start you know, to wonder but, why you chose this profession. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, because, you know, clearly I'm not good enough to do it. I mean, there, we're our own worst critics for sure. Absolutely. That's so true. Yeah. And sometimes that voice is very loud and and it's good to talk to other writers about that it's you know kind of the support other writers can give you that's a great point thank you um well i just want to thank you so much for spending time with us today uh and uh, i really appreciate your being here and thanks so much it was really fun i i'm so glad i'm so glad you asked me i appreciate that and uh it was a pleasure to be here excellent well i loved having you here and um if i can get this to change over there we go here i am voila here i am everywhere you go there you are mm-hmm. And uh, as of now, I just wanted to say that my own new release, Fatal Connections, the second Erica Jensen novel, will be coming out hopefully November 11th. That's the planned release date in honor of my Marine veteran protagonist. And uh, just in time for the holidays. Hint, hint. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, please consider leaving a review of the podcast and becoming a patron on Patreon. Uh, let's see, it costs less than a Starbucks coffee to become a Patreon, patron on Patreon. <laughs> I hope I can say that. <laughs> Tongue-tied. In any case, I'll hope you, I hope you'll consider it. And thanks again for listening. In two weeks, I'll be back and be interviewing Paul D. Marks. In the meantime, take care and happy reading.